0: Listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. More than 200,000 acres are burned, more than 5,000 homes destroyed or damaged, 100,000 people displaced, and more than 40 dead so far as firestorms sweep across Northern California. California is, of course, no stranger to wildfires, but 2017 is shaping up to be one of the worst fire seasons the state has ever seen. What does it look like on the ground in wine country? What will the re- rebuilding process look like for victims? And what's the conversation happening around how this might relate to climate change? Joining us now is Dominic Fracassa, a reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. He is a Michigan native. He is on the ground, has been on the ground in wine country, covering the fires for four days last week. Dominic, Welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh,
0: So just give us a sense of what this looks like on the ground. Of course, we are seeing the photos and the video footage of the fires. I would imagine it is even more harrowing if you are there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot more smoky, I guess, than the pictures and video. Um, But, I mean, what, what you're seeing is you know, probably an accurate representation. It is a skeletal charred ghost town in so, so, so many places. Um, yeah, all across what we call the North Bay and what, you know, is commonly called wine country. Mm -hmm. Um, it, is really staggering not just like some of the numbers you mentioned i mean a hundred thousand people displaced is hard to wrap your mind around but i mean they're displaced because their homes have been just utterly obliterated the city of santa rosa is kind of the biggest urban center um in that whole region and unfortunately it's been the place that's been absolutely hardest hit i mean just entire neighborhoods um you can see from like aerial views and um some uh uh, footage captured by drones that folks might have seen it just entire neighborhoods are just absolutely decimated and it's um and, and and that's the case in in town after town all over the region it's hmm. um it, it's hard to wrap your mind around just so much devastation spread across such a such a large area so wow. that's that's the the ugly truth of it
0: yeah um and so, given that level of devastation uh what are victims saying about how they rebuild or pick up the pieces? I mean, is anyone even talking about that yet
1: yeah that's that's the thing. Those conversations are actually only just starting to to emerge um, The fact of the matter is for the first three or four days um, when this fire was at its worst, maybe say through like you know Monday through Wednesday or Thursday even. The talk wasn't even about, it wasn't centered around even containing the fires. It was purely just trying to get people evacuated from areas where, you know, the fire was imminently going to be sort of rushing through and to uh, uh, finding people, you know, trying to track down uh, people who were reported missing. I think as of this morning, I believe there's still about 80 people reported missing who Mm. are still unaccounted for, you know, uh, more than a week now into this whole. Uh, ordeal, but over the past, I'd say, 24 hours, the mood has really started to shift to one of a little bit more optimism. We're seeing double digit containment with some of the fires, especially some of the worst ones, and, and high double digits to 30, 40, 50% containment. And like I said, three to four days in, the conversation wasn't even about containing the fires. It was just trying to get as many people to safety as possible and figure out what areas needed to be evacuated and when. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the conversation around rebuilding, it's only just starting to begin. And, and frankly, I. I mean, I I I'll admit I haven't covered a disaster like this of this scale before. I'm not even sure how that how that starts. I mean, filing insurance claims that's starting to happen more and more now. Um, we're seeing people able to go back and see whether or not their home has been spared by the fire or not. I mean, it's still it's still extremely a, a really extremely fresh wound I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people, and some people are still in still in mandatory evacuation areas and are, and are, and are in shelters. You know what I mean? They still don't know what the state of their home is, and many have been without power for uh, over a week now. I think there's still, as of this morning, uh, I believe about twenty-seven thousand people still without power, and they've been that way since uh, either the wee hours of Sunday or uh, or Monday morning. Mm. So it's it's just starting, and and you know I think um, you know, frankly, uh, people are just still feeling lucky to be alive at this point, and that adrenaline is only just starting to fade from you know a solid punishing week of of having to evacuate and wearing masks almost right. 24 hours a day to prevent you know smoke inhalation it's it's just starting to recede now so that rebuilding conversation is um is starting to get going
0: mm-hmm. uh, you know i i wonder if if it's if if it's too early to be talking about rebuilding uh, it might be way too early to be talking about the causes of this kind of uh, disaster the, the the issue of climate change, though, mm-hmm. looks pretty large, I think, in the background here. I mean, I think it's reasonable for people to look at this and ask, is this happening in a way that it is because the climate is changing? I mean, this is not a normal kind of disaster. I mean, there's wildfires in California. Everyone knows right. that, but not at this level. Are people really engaging with that question yet? Actually,
1: yeah. I mean, having just said all of that about how, how, you know, we're just sort of uh, fading away from like the pure emergency stage of this whole thing, uh, that conversation has already come up in some of the, you know, I don't know, like dozens of interviews I've conducted with people who, you know, were in shelters or or were evacuating. Excuse me, I think that, that that has already emerged, actually. And I think a part of that is because this disaster has been kind of right on the back of the disasters that we saw, the hurricanes we saw in Houston and in Florida and in Puerto Rico. And I mean, it's just been this kind of like staggering series of, of natural disasters that have, I think, made that conversation just almost totally unavoidable at this point. And people I've, I've spoken to have uh, <laughs> the, the human beings are uh, a, a resilient species. And there are people who just in the in the worst of times just have a kind of black humor about them, about the whole thing and you know we'll just be in a, in a conversation and they'll they'll say you know we uh, uh, we had eighty mile an hour winds whip through uh, the night before that's a big reason that the fires were so bad we have mm-hmm. a phenomenon called the Diablo winds once a once a year of right around this time of year that you know uh, i'm sorry for the cliche but literally created the perfect storm that allowed these fires to mm-hmm. to really propagate in the way they did and they and they'll say like oh well good thing we don't have climate change or good thing climate change isn't real and of course you're talking about you know northern californians who have a uh, a propensity and a, a reputation for being, uh, you know, really embracing of the climate conversation, I think to put it mildly. But um, no, that, that is very much, at least with, with folks on the ground, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, I think fire officials, for instance, are worried enough uh, uh, just about the immediacy of their problems to, to talk about that yet. But uh, people on the ground are, are absolutely um, factoring that into the conversation and, and making it, um, And and bringing it to the fore, which I I do think is interesting. But again, I think just wrapping it into all of the just tragedies that have befallen the country, it's it's made that um, one piece of a very, you know, kind of tragic puzzle that people are putting together, at least out here.
0: Yeah. Okay, Dominic Fricasa, reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today.
1: Yeah, what a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber-Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan, And the associate producer is Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.